Hey, welcome back to This Week in Carnival. I'm your host, Buxy, your favorite micro-influencer with seven adoring fans and self-proclaimed Rio de Janeiro Carnival Analyst. This episode, I want to give you some basic information about how Carnival in Rio is structured, the key players, and timelines so we can all be on the same page. Remember, this is me explaining it as I understand it and as I experienced it. I am not an expert yet. So this would be most helpful for people who are also curious and not familiar with the carnival culture. Also, I really want to point out that I don't want to make this a super long episode, but there is a lot of information and there's over a hundred years of history we're talking about and hundreds of Samba schools. So let's consider this your introduction, a carnival 101, if you will. One last disclaimer before you begin. I love to learn. So whenever I'm sharing information, it is my hope and expectation that those who know more about a particular topic share their knowledge with me. I am a vessel for other people. (laughs) So it's been really great in the past when I post stuff on Instagram that those who are closer to the culture or have been involved for a long time, they jump in and say, hey, this is how it works or this is not how it works. And that has been super, super helpful in my journey. So I hope that we treat this podcast the same way. I'm giving bits and pieces of information, but feel free to do your own research to get your own knowledge and talk to other people, spark a conversation and bring it back here. I would love to hear what you find out, hear where I got things wrong so we can course correct. That is probably gonna be the biggest part of helping to preserve this culture. Now, the best counterpart that I can give to Carnival in Brazil is Mardi Gras here in the United States. It's around the same time period. It is focused around uh, the, the start of Lent, and it's a way to release and to um, get prepared for the new year, essentially. And so Mardi Gras and Carnival, for me, I see a lot of comparisons, especially having experienced both. The traditions are very different, but the joy, the the work that goes into it, and what it means often on a spiritual level for a lot of people is very similar. I've heard a lot of Brazilians say that they don't feel that the new year has started until Carnival has ended. Um, and I imagine I would love to hear from my NOLA folks if you feel the same way. So that's just one comparison that I can I can give. Of course, Carnival is rooted in, you know, celebration, feasting and joy, all of these different things. So the history of it in real, as I understand it, is that it the tradition was brought over by the Portuguese colonizers and the Africans um, at the time brought in their own culture, their own uh, their own traditions and began to shift it to make it make sense for them. And um, so what we see today, the basis of it may have started in European traditions, but the core and the roots and the design, the the celebration is very, very African based. And maybe in the future we can talk about what that means as far as spirituality and religion and all of that. 
So I'm going to add a link in the description for you all to get a brief start on Samba history and um, the creation of the first Samba schools. And it's my goal for the next episode to start talking about different Samba schools in Rio um, when they were founded, all of those different things, just so we can we can know what teams we want to root for. Although I root for everybody. And so like I mentioned, this celebration goes back over a hundred years and how it looks now, of course, is not how it started. Um, my understanding is that there were blocos, which were groups of people and communities that gathered to sing, to dance, to make music and revel together. Those blocos eventually, some of them transformed into samba schools and some of those samba schools continue to grow to some of the big ones we see today. However, blocos still exist. Um, this is a great point to mention that carnival looks a lot of different ways, even within Rio, even within Brazil. So you have the blocos, which are smaller groups and, um, and they, they're, they're, I don't want to say they're less structured than a school because that's not the case, but they're a bit smaller and a bit more free form. Um, I would love someone to jump in and help with that. But Blocos, they, they lead their own little mini parades and parties around the city and you can jump in and gather. Ah, great comparison. So I would say a Blocko feels very similar to New York Labor Day Parade in that, I mean, you're not supposed to, but you can jump in, you can play mass, um, but it's, it's more like, it's in the streets, it's, it's organized chaos, but it's, um, it's a bit more, it's, it's truly a party, like everyone just joins in and, and marches with the Blockos while they're playing and they have a great time, um, whereas the Samba School Parades, it's, it's structured they parade on certain days they have uh, very particular rules and they're going for particular prizes i do think the blockos compete for prizes as well because and we'll get into that in, as far as tiers but that's one that's you know one step difference so you can go you can say i'm going to carnival in rio and your experience can be very different from mine because I may be focusing on the Samba schools and you may be focusing on the Blackos and someone else may be focusing just on like parties and balls. So it's different. And that's the same thing of Mardi Gras, right? Like we can go to Mardi Gras and I could be focusing on the Zulu ball and you could be focusing on the actual parade. For the purpose of this podcast and this episode, we're going to focus on Samba schools. And in Portuguese, it's called a Escola de Samba. And the best way for me to help my friends understand what a Samba school is I like to think of it like this. They are community-based organizations or clubs that keep the culture and, tra and tradition going. Um, they are not just about Samba. A lot of these Samba schools provide community services such as health services, food, education. They provide a place for children to come and play safely in their communities. Um, I, I think I was always blown away watching how a lot of these Samba schools, oftentimes under-resourced, 
were caring for their communities during COVID and setting up um, vaccination sites. And, and that is an interesting topic that we can get into another day where Samba schools seem to have been villainized around carnival and COVID. And I think those of us who've been paying attention and have been watching, we noticed that the Samba schools in these communities have been the most vigilant during COVID as far as getting access to vaccines, to care, to test to all of their community members in a way that the government may not have. But that is a topic for another day. Okay, anyway, so in Escola de Samba, I think the second most important thing that I try and tell my friends is that it's not a school in a traditional sense to how we think about it as Americans. Like you don't go there and sit in a classroom and learn. Think of it like a, I struggle to find a good comparison, but think of it as like a community hall or a community rec center. So it's uh, what they, their structure, the physical structure of these schools is called a quadra. And the quadra is often a like a huge space. It varies in size depending on the school, but think of it more like it's a multi-purpose facility but it's often like a grand, huge ballroom that can be turned into several things. Um, often like concrete floors, like it's really, it, it's, it's a space that you go and have experiences and activities. With that said, a lot of these quadras are located in or near favelas in Rio. And that is also another topic that we could spend hours talking about because I'm not here to glorify favela and I'm also not here to villainize one. I've been in several, I've had several experiences, uh, thankful to God and my ancestors that the majority of my experiences, if not all in favelas have always been great. But I also always point out that I am navigating these spaces as a black woman who looks very much like the members of these communities. And I'm also navigating these spaces with respect and deference. Um, and so that is always important when we're talking about communities such as favelas. And just a quick background on a favela. These are communities that historically the government has forgotten about or just refuses to take care of. These are communities that were built by the people and they've sustained themselves over decades um, and they have their own ecosystem, their own, uh, really their own life. And just on a personal note, when my mom came with me this past year to Rio, we did take a tour of one, which I'm always very, I feel very uneasy about doing it. But I agreed to this one particular tour because it is run by a black man that lives in that particular favela. And it's less about, oh, look at these people who are disenfranchised and more about like this is a thriving community and we just want you to know what's going on because there are multiple sides to Brazil beyond the beautiful beaches of Copacabana and Ipanema. And those who know me know that I rock hard with when I travel, I want to be with the people. I want to be in a culture. I do not want to be on a resort. I do not want to be in the, 
wealthy areas all the time because often I don't feel comfortable. So our experience in that particular favela was was really cool. Like immediately myself and my mom were connecting with um, the tour guide and the people. We, we had the opportunity to visit the house of the owner of the company and my mom with her Spanish and and his mom, the owner, her Portuguese, they were able to navigate a conversation and a real understanding that our experiences as black Brazilians and black Americans, especially when you grow up in poverty and you grow up in the projects, things like that as black Americans um, is very, very, very similar. And so I think my mom had a real moment of of awareness and awakening in that like we're not that different and that has always been my goal to share with people especially black americans about visiting brazil and visiting rio the only thing that really separates us is the language but everything else is you is very similar and we feel at home a tangent i apologize but i i feel very passionate about the 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 topic of favelas as it relates to samba schools because i know there are many individuals who will accept the joy the beauty the privilege of parading with these schools being part of these school communities and will refuse to step foot in the same community that is offering them these opportunities okay i'm getting off my soapbox anyway back to the quadras and the samba schools so they're located in the same communities that um the you know that developed them so now people who love the samba schools and are part of this culture and and please know that this starts very young like think of samba school in the communities cradle to grave and and beyond because we, we respect our ancestors over here. Um, and so you will see all ages in the Samba school, which is also one of the most beautiful things that I love. You see the babies and you see the elders and there's respect all around. But anyway, the members of these schools often have, and I like to think of this as a fun like conversation starter when you're learning about it and you're in these communities. They have what is called an Escola de Corazao, and that means school of heart. So how, how do I <laughs> explain this to everyone else? I'm going to use HBCUs as the example. So again, if you don't know what an HBCU is, it's a historically black college or university here in the States. And so all of my HBCU peeps, we, we know two things to be true one our school is the best school and I don't care what you say our school is the best school and two if you didn't go to an HBCU you have no authority to talk crap about any other HBCU we will jump you and so that is the best comparison right so I my Escola de Corazao is Hampton University but I'm going to root for every HBCU to win. Why? Because we are part of a collective. We are part of a culture. We are, we are a larger community that is beyond just one school. And it's, it's, it's essential that we preserve that history, right? So you can be a member of 
Salguero, which is a, a famous samba school, but your school of heart is Portela. I, I mean, I don't know that these are like true examples for any one particular person, but that's how it that's how it works. Like I'm going to root. I'm going to root for you to win. Like Issa said, I'm rooting for everybody black. That's basically what it is. Right. But you still have that that one school that has your heart, your allegiance to. Um, and I always find it fun to ask like my Samba mentors, my Samba inspirations. What is your school of heart? Because oftentimes I am shocked <laughs> by their response. I think my favorite to date has been asking Luada Boom Boom, who is one of the most phenomenal dancers, um, what is her school of heart? And I just knew it was going to be Salguero because that was my introduction to her. And it wasn't. So I'm not going to share what the answer was. If you ever run into her and talk to her, or you take a class with her online or something, you should ask her and see what she says. And let me know if you're equally as shocked as I was. Okay. So now that we got the basics, what is this? What is a Samba school? What is a Quadra? What is a Scuola de Corsal? And now we can talk about the structure and the key players. And at this point, I'm going to just be real with y'all and let you know that I may or may not have lied in the beginning of this podcast by saying it was going to be short. We just going we just going to see what we can do. And y'all can pray for me in the edit. Um, but it's not looking good to be a 30 minute episode. I'm gonna just let y'all know right now. Anyway, so how are these schools structured? So although every school is different um, in that, like I said, they are in different communities, um, they maybe believe certain things, but the actual structure of positions and, and segments are very, very similar across the board, which helps when parading, and we'll we'll get in, into that. So I'm gonna list out different positions with a brief description in no order of importance. Please, this is just for informational purposes. So first we have the Maestra Sala and the Porta Bandera, and they are the master of the room and the flag bearer, and they draw attention to the, I'm going to butcher it because Portuguese is the hardest language in the world, the pavilion, pavilão, pavilão, y'all can correct me later, and that's basically the flag, and so they tend to open up a lot of the events with a display, a very vibrant, flamboyant display of showing the flag and presenting it to the community. Then we have the Velha Garda, which is... <laughs> One of my favorite segments of a Samba school because they're just so cute. They are the older members of the school community who have been with the community for a long time. They are the elders of the school, much respected, much revered. And I have to tell y'all, these men and women are never not zooted and booted. And if you don't know what that means, you can look it up. But they are always looking sharp and they are just, oh, they're my favorite. I just love seeing older people still sharing their love and their pride. And fun fact, the women always have a purse. They always have, it doesn't matter. Their outfit they always has a purse. And I love it. It's one of my favorite things to point out. Then my second favorite group, I'm a little biased, is the Bayanas. And 
these are um, these women that represent Obayanan women um, who welcomed Sambistas into their homes when it was villainized because that, there is a point in history where Samba was, I mean, like every black thing, like was seen as something wrong, something that shouldn't be allowed. And a lot of it was practiced in private. And these women also sold food in certain areas of Rio. And so every school has a segment of several women who dressed in, in this old Bayanin um, attire and it pays homage to them. And they dance in these beautiful circles and spins and they always look fantastic. And I pray that I live long enough to be invited to be a Bayana because I'm looking forward to dancing in flats and spinning in those beautiful circles and just keeping the tradition going. Like I, I will drop everything when these women come out just so I can watch them. Like it is mesmerizing. I love them. Next, we have the bateria and the maestre de bateria. And that is all of the percussionists and the leader. And so a samba school can have anywhere up to, well, not up to, I don't even know if there's a limit, but I, most samba schools can have like 200, 250 percussionist at a time and that is I mean if you've never heard them live like I pray you get the experience but hearing that many people playing the drums playing the choclos like it is it, it just speaks to your soul and you have no choice but but to dance next we have the Hanya and hi the bateria which is the queen or the king of the drums. And this is an interesting position because I think in recent years, which is really cool, we're starting to see men in front of the drums. It's a position of honor and they are a highlight feature of the school. They support the the entire Batsidia section. It's a very coveted position and historically it has been just the queen has been women, but it's really cool in recent years to start seeing men in front of the in front of the drums and there's some this past year uh 2022 there've been some really cool kings in front of the drums so highly recommend you check that out next we have the musas or musos uh, and princesses of of the school or of the batteria usually a musa muso is of the school so a man or a woman moose and then there's um i haven't seen princes of the school or princes of the batteria but i've definitely seen princesses um, and so these are also additional feature positions within the community. Uh, sometimes they are offered, they are, people are elected in, there may be a contest for people to win. Um, but the, they, they basically are our big cheerleaders and representatives for the school. Then we have the one that is very near and dear to my heart is the Pasistas. The pasistas are men and women samba dancers, who, samba on the feet, samba no pay, which means samba on the feet. And they keep the rhythm. They, to me, they are the heart of the school in that they are keeping the samba dancing tradition um, going. And they, they just dedicate literally their bodies to the culture and to representing their communities and representing their schools. So I love me some pasistas. Then you have the interpreter 
And this is someone who, or a group of people, who sings the Inherdu, which we'll get into next, um, at the events, at the parade. So they are the, I guess, the equivalent of when you go to a sports game here, the person that's the voice of God, I guess, in a way. So they sing and they ensure that the community is engaged and interacting and knows a song. So that's cool. And sometimes you see schools with some really famous interpreters. Um, it's, it's a whole thing. And you have the Harmonia, which is the members of the school who help, honestly help keep the school running as far, especially when it comes to parade time. They, during parades, they are often on the sidelines. They're making sure that the pacing is correct. They're making sure that costumes are correct. They're making sure that the timing is correct. They are like the mother hens or daddy hens. Dads can't be hens, right? Those are roosters. Anyway, they are caring for all aspects of the school. And for my <laughs> my folks that have paraded, we know, and we know this, we believe it lovingly, and I say this lovingly, the Harmonia, they, they love to yell at you for good reason, because they just want you in your right spot doing the right thing, because Carnival is a competition. So you are constantly getting yelled at, they mean well, and if you are ever trying to take a photo or a video and look cute during rehearsal or something, there's at least going to be one Harmonia member that is going to walk in front of your video and not care because why? Their role is to make sure things are done well and not about your little video. So all of my Sambistas, please tell me I'm lying, but we've all had that experience. And then of course there's administration. So you have your president, your vice president, your treasurer, all those different things. They have elections based on their bylaws. So, you know, there's a bit of bureaucracy. Next up, this is not a particular person, but it's essential to Assama school. Each year, Assama school has a plot and in hairdo. The plot is the theme of what they're going to talk about that year in the parade. For example, this year, one of the schools I paraded with was Paraiso de Tuichi, and their plot was um, really around all of these Black historical figures that have helped to pave the way and open the roads for the future generations. And they talked about um, Chadwick Boseman and Beyonce and Barack Obama in their parade, but the but that is like the overall plot. And then you had the Inherdu, which is the song that goes along with it to this day. I think that Tuichi's Inherdu, Samba Inherdu this year was one of the most beautiful ones. Very powerful. I get chills every time. I don't need to hear it again because I've danced to it for months, but it's beautiful. And so you have the theme and then you have the song that was elected by the community or by the administration that they're going to take on the Avenida. I almost forgot one of the most important uh, pieces to the Samba School. It's a position that is elected or offered every year. I don't really know how it's picked, but I we can get into that later. Um, think of it like off-season trades and things like that, new contracts. But it's the Carnivalesco, and the Carnivalesco is the person who designs the entire parade. They are designing the floats. They are designing the highlight. They're called the Destakis. The highlight features, people who are going to be highlighted on the floats. They're designing every costume. They are 
um, figuring out the chore the choreography for things. They really bring the plot to life, and they are very, 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 very important to every parade. So now that we know all of the key players, we can talk about timeline. So a carnival cycle is a year-round cycle. When we see the parade, we are seeing the celebration, the culmination of all the hard work that was done over the past year. Carnival typically happens in February or March. So once everyone parades, once everyone wins and they get their prizes, um, they, they take a little break for like a month or two and then it starts back up. And that is when the administration is typically announcing the, the plot for the next carnival. They're announcing contract renewals for key positions such as like the carnivalesco or the the drum master or the flag bearer, um, you know, because a lot of these are paid positions, even though they may be community members. And and so they're announcing that. And what that allows is for composers, which I'm realizing I skipped them as well. I apologize. You have several composers in the Samba community who focus on creating songs that will be sung in the parade and that becomes a whole competition as well so once the plot is announced then the composers can say like okay the theme this year is going to be i work best with real life examples so let's use the school that i paraded with paraiso de tucci so they announced their plot that it was going to be about acknowledging and and highlighting all of the historical black figures who have paved the way for us today and and help to open the roads right and so they give a description a synopsis of what it is the composers take that and then they develop songs and and then there's a competition so each each school might have 40 composed songs that were developed and submit it and then there's a review there's a competition to decide what is the school what is the song that is going to be sung by the school and there's a lot of pride in having your your song picked um, so the plot is announced now everybody's behind the scenes they're starting to work on the songs but also when schools start announcing their plot you can start sizing up your competition as another school, right? So Paraiso de Tuichi, they're doing this. Mangueta decided to focus their plot on paying homage to three three men in their school's history that have really shaped the trajectory of the school. Another school did decide to focus on uh, Pequena Africa, which is a small area in, in Brazil that is considered like the history place of like samba culture and and things like that so you get to see you start sizing up your competition who's bringing what right and that's also where the fun comes in for me because i like to see what's going on so even right now um, our schedule is a little thrown off because carnival was in april but now all the schools have pretty much announced their plots we're starting to see what the what the expanded version of the themes are with more context and i know a lot of composers are starting to work on their submissions so you see it never ends so that's going on then by september october ish all of this all of the songs are submitted hopefully 
you know, we're in the groove of like figuring out which one is going to be the one selected, but we are at least down to like, I don't know, maybe like a top three, but rehearsals have also begun in the schools. And so rehearsals are hours long. We'll get into that in in a second. Sorry, but rehearsals are long events (laughs) and they happen weekly and the school's going, the batteria is playing, the pasistas are dancing, the singers are singing, the harmonia is keeping the rhythm and the pace of everybody in the school. And it's, it's just rebuilding that resistance and getting ready for the next parade. But also just, again, like as you continue to to have these events, you're just keeping the culture alive. You're teaching the next generation. Um, you're pr- just continuing to prepare people by um definitely by october november like we are in full swing we know what the plot is we know what the song is now and so every weekly rehearsal is now focusing on that and it is often trying to build up stamina and practice and make sure that the battery is aligned with like their breaks and stuff for um, certain parts of the song. It's making sure that the, the dancers, they know how to move their body or maybe there's choreography. Um, so it's, it's full swing every week. And usually at this time, it's happening in the quadra. And then we shift to like the next couple of months um, everything is moved outside and then you have ensayo de Huas, which are street rehearsals which are my absolute favorite it is it is the true epitome of being part of the community the reason why they rehearse in the street is to essentially emulate the actual parade so the parade is going to take place in Sapakai or depending on what division you are um, there's another area where the parade takes place but you the parades are timed and the the rehearsals especially the street rehearsals is to get people used to their position in the parade, where they're gonna stand, and then also the timing of it and making sure that the pacing is correct. Because even though it's timed, you lose a lot of points if you go over time and if you go under time. So it's weekly rehearsal to make sure that everyone is on the on the same pace. But it's so much fun because during the street rehearsals, the community comes out. It's free. It's in the street. It's near. It's in the community, right? So the community comes out and they watch. They cheer you on. There's food vendors. Like afterwards, depending on where you are, it could turn into a party. Like it's just, it becomes a lot of fun every week. Um, now, don't get me wrong. Every week I was stressed out because I was tired because when you parade with Tucci, that is a, that is an experience. But it is so much fun so if you ever get to rio and you're in a time period like right before carnival you can't stay for carnival find a street rehearsal just find a street rehearsal and just have a good time i love them and the street rehearsals go december through february because it's just non-stop getting ready for the parade and then finally you're back at february or march and you have carnival again you parade and then we start the cycle all over again so that's essentially the timeline. Now I touched a little bit on, well, a lot of it on ensayos, and let's let's talk about them a little bit more. 
So, like I said, an ensayo tends to be weekly. Depending on the school, it could be two times a week, it could be three times a week, but most of the times it's one time a week for the whole school to come together. This does not include when segments of the school have their own rehearsals. So the bateria may be rehearsing another day, the pasistas may have another day, but the whole school is a as a unit they have days and each it's different days of the week and so this is also important when you are a member of multiple schools it's ideal that you be members of schools that rehearse on different days which is really helpful um, because doing multiple things on one day is is aggressive so it's also important to note that rehearsals are open they are events like not only are the people who are actually participating there but the community is there as well um, whether it's in the quadra or if it's outside and so the structure of a rehearsal typically how it goes is um, the bateria will play for at minimum like 65 minutes because that is the minimum amount of time that everyone has to parade and this is 65 minutes non-stop all right, that is very important. Like there are no breaks. If they stop the the band, the bateria from playing, and they restart, it restarts the clock because the goal is to build the endurance and build the stamina. Right. So that's sixty five minutes of them playing. That means that's sixty five minutes of the pasistas dancing, the flag bearer and the the master of the room dancing. Like this is sixty five minutes of everybody playing their position and just preparing. Right. And over time, you just get, if you're new to it, over time, you just get used to it. But that is that is really the structure. The same thing when they go outside, it's 65 minutes or however long they want. Um, but at least minimum that of them playing as you're dancing down the street because you just have to. You're, you're, it's all it's all about timing and making sure that you don't get tired you know you and it's the goal is to do that 65 minutes at the same level of energy the whole way through because you also get judged on how the the segments of the school are participating during the parade and also how the crowd is participating we're, we're going to get into judging in a second so that that is what the ensayo looks like now there's one really important ensayo and that is called the ensayo technico. And that is when each of the schools that are going to parade at Sapokai, they go to the actual location and they put on a, a parade and they do it for time. And that's where they test out everything. They test out the segments. They test out the, the speed of the music, how fast it's going to take to get from one end to the other. And that is a... Um, an open event it's a free event and that is where the community all the communities typically go to watch the parade because the actual carnival parades are quite expensive they're expensive for tourists so they are beyond expensive for everyday citizens but the the ensayo technicos are arguably more fun than the regular parades they have everything except the floats for the most part and it's really you, your opportunity to come out and cheer for your school and see a glimpse of what it's going to look like on the big day. Think of it kind of like how hype we get for homecoming every year. You know, it's it's our time to just get together with our people and cheer on our team and just have a good time on the yard before 
everyone goes and watch, watches the formal game. So the Ensayo Technicos happen a few weeks before the actual parade. And I highly recommend if you can't make the official parade, you would not be losing anything by going to the Ensayo Technico. You would actually be gaining a lot. It's a lot of fun. Okay, so a lot of information. So now you know about the school, the structure, and the rehearsal, the ensayos. Now it's time to parade. Where are they actually parading? Great question. So for the Grupo Especial and the, and the City Auto, the special group in the Gold Series, they parade in this structure called Sapokai. And Sapokai is, and that's the shortened name, sorry, but like nicknamed Sapokai. It is a structure in, in Rio, and it's uh, basically a huge avenue with like stadium style seating on both sides, like bleachers. Um, and it is the length of five football fields, so it's very long. So that also lets you know, like, just to give you a visual, sorry, American football fields, um, not ball, soccer. So think of dancing, parading, and playing music along five football fields. It's a long time. And I think that converts to, wait, I wrote it down somewhere. That converts to 1,870 feet. I don't know what it is in meters. Y'all can figure that out. That's where they parade. And my understanding is that the government built this structure because like the parades were becoming more, you know, like a big thing, definitely a tourist attraction. And it was a way to organize the structured chaos of carnival parades. So that's where the the two top divisions parade. And it is it is a phenomenal experience. And so the schools that are in the silver series or the bronze series, like the your dream as a school is to make it to Sapakai. The other schools uh, parade on the avenue deeper in the city called Intendentes, and I believe that's where historically the parades were. That's a whole different experience. It's a lot of fun. You, I recommend you try it out. Maybe go with someone who's been there before, um, but that's a different experience. The schools that are in Sapakai, they get more funding. They get more press. You usually see the videos from the news and the live streaming of it only at Sapakai. So there's a real competition to get your school there because obviously the more publicity you get, the more opportunity you get to grow a fan base, sponsors, sponsorships, you know, like all of those things. So Sapakai is very important. And it's really cool. They have this ceremony every year before the parades where they they bless Sapakai. And that's an experience that you can participate in. Everyone wears white and it's basically like opening up the structure every year for the next parade. Okay, I've been talking a lot about like they get judged and they lose points and da 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 da. Okay, I'm gonna try and do this this part quickly. So how how does this work? So again, this is a, 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 comp, a huge competition and there are judges for every single parade because remember, the winner of the gold series goes up to the special group. The school who comes in last place of the special group goes back down to the gold series. And so each school is judged on these nine criteria. They're judged on their bateria. They're judged on their samba and hairdo, which is the song. They're judged on the harmony, like making the flow of the parade. They're judged on, I, I believe the harmonia is the flow of the parade. I'm 
forgive me if I'm wrong, they're definitely judged on the evolution, like how they're telling the story um, and and how the parade got from the start point to the end point. Was it smooth? Did a float break down? Did a float do reverse by accident? Like things like that. Did someone fall? And then, of course, they're they're judging the floats and the costumes and the props. They're judging the front commission, which is a choreographed group of individuals that opens the parade and pretty much is the introduction to what the parade is about to show us. And then they also judge the the Maestro de Sala and the Puerto Bandera in their show of the flag and, and all of those things. There are, I think, six judges and each judge scores each section that I just mentioned and they give a score. When all the scores are tallied, the highest score and the lowest score is dropped from each category and and then the average is is a number and it's on a scale of one to ten other things that can cause a school to lose point is if they go over their parade time so sometimes and you hate to see it you never want to see it but if they're running behind if something happened like a float broke down or something happened and they're running up against their time usually at the end of the parade you will see them walking very fast or running um, to get across the finish line because everything is time and then also their minimum number of participants for each segment so if a school said i'm gonna have 75 pasistas and they that's a bad example sorry because pasistas are the one thing that's not judged but let's say they in one particular group they said this section is going to have 75 dancers and they show up with 15 they can lose points for that of course if floats break down that hurts um, not only the school hurts the points you know no one wants to see that so everyone parades over those days and then all the scores are tallied um, and they are announced a few days later at this big event called the Apurasao and it's televised and they go through each category and they they share the score for each of the judge so you see it happening at in real time if you're watching it on TV but each of the schools for the division they actually have representatives go to the actual event and they're sitting at tables and they're you know they're because they're waiting to hear who's gonna win and so the Grupo Especial has their own Apurasal, and then the City Auto also has theirs. It's a cool thing to watch. I, I watched it. I watched some of it from the Quadra of Tuichi, and then I watched the rest of it at home so that I can be my full analyst self. But a lot of the schools open up their doors during those days so that community members can watch while it's happening and of course if you know you're gonna win or you feel like you did really good and you're gonna win it's exciting to watch in the quadra because it turns into a huge party a few days after that the schools parade again for a second time but this time it's the champions parade and it's the top six schools from the special group and um, so not only if you're in a special group are you trying to get the top spot because you win and it's this great honor, but you get the opportunity to parade again if you're in the top six. Uh, and I got the opportunity to parade with Vila Isabel, who was in fourth position this past year. Uh, so shout out to Gabriel Castro. Obrigada. Um, 
they needed some extra dancers because uh, you know some people after the parades they leave they have to go back to their lives because people are either from they're definitely from the community but they may be working in Sao Paulo or somewhere else you know so they probably can't stay the whole time but you want to you don't want to go into the champions parade looking you know lackluster so other people will come and volunteer and dance or just like hold a spot um, so it looks as good as the day they actually parade so that was an experience I treasure Um, a call went out like hey does anyone want to parade for Vila Isabel for the champions parade and I never jumped at something so fast and ran and borrowed the costume and got my friend Heather hey hey Chinya um to join me and we prayed it for Villa Isabel and that was super fun because the champions parade like you already did the hard work the schools already did the hard work they already had all the stress you know that's done this is just a good time at this point Um, And they parade in reverse order. So the sixth place school goes first with the grand champion being the last one. And and it's just it's just an experience. Oh, and also all these parades typically start at like nine, ten o'clock at night. So the first school parade around like nine or ten. And the last school is often parading around like four or five in the morning. So it's it's a thing like you need stamina, not only as a participant, but as a reveler. You need stamina. My hope is that you all get to experience parading or watching a parade. It's really, really cool. So that is your Carnival 101 brief history, brief context. And by brief, I mean went a lot longer than I anticipated. But there's so much to talk about. Each segment that I brought up can be an episode in itself. And I will happily redo this episode with carnival experts. Like, hit me up. Let's talk. Let's figure it out. You can fit in my closet with me. But I just hope that this gives you just some insight into like carnival from the Samba School perspective is much bigger and much more structured than we may have realized. What we see, especially as non-Brazilians, we see the beautiful costumes, the beautiful floats, the, the, um, you know, the, the, just the revelry, the party, but we often don't see the hard work that is going in year round with these schools, with the community members, the blood, sweat, and tears. Like I didn't even talk about like how the costumes are made, how the floats are made. Those are the unsung heroes of this entire experience. There are people who make their livelihood on Carnival and they get paid to build these floats. Every costume is handmade. There are times where, you know, you may have, as a participant, you may have to jump in and help to like glue some stuff together. And you're doing this with love because you want your school to do well. You want to look good and, and it's, an, it's an experience, right? Like um, if you go on my Instagram, I have a reel of Senor Pedro, who is a master shoemaker. This is a guy who works out of his garage in the suburbs, you know, like, and he has been making shoes for all of the dancers for years, like all the Samba schools really trust him. Like that is his livelihood. And that is also a good point as to how the pandemic affected Carnival. For those who may not have known, you may have thought like, oh, Carnival was canceled. That sucks. Better luck next year. And while it was the right decision to not have Carnival in 2021 because of COVID, it affected a lot of people and livelihood. 
there's a culture if I don't work, I don't eat, right? And so the people who may have made their yearly salary from Carnival, that was stripped away. There's no costumes to be made. There's no floats to be made. Like all work stopped. For some parts of the of this community, there became a real a real burden, a real issue of like people are hungry. People need food. People need money to pay bills. People need money to go to school. They need to work, but their livelihood was stripped away through no fault of their own, through a natural occurrence. Um, and again, it was the right decision to cancel it. But this is the impact. There, there were no like, oh, Carnival is canceled, so we're going to give you a stimulus. That didn't happen. These people, you know, they really, a lot of them really struggled. And with that said, there's also the other side of it, which was quite beautiful. As much as they could, these schools did not let their community struggle. So that's where we saw a lot of fundraisers happening or um, care packages being made just so that you know people who would have normally had the income to support themselves can get a little bit of help from the communities that they've been working with so every costume you see every float that every picture of a float that you look at if you even hear the drummers playing like every part of carnival has the actual people that are doing the performance and then the people who are behind the scenes making it happen. Like, I don't know how much more I can stress that. Every every sandal was made by someone's hand. Every piece of rhinestone that was put in a costume was done by somebody. The instruments, they were tuned. They were built by somebody. So when people say, carnival is life that is not just an exaggeration it really is more than just the parade it is an entire culture an entire ecosystem it 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 brings billions of dollars of revenue to rio to sao paulo too because they have their own carnival right like it is an it's an actual business and so it it is important that we pay respect to the history of it and to the culture and also understand that there are real life impacts to every decision that is made around carnival. But I'm not going to get my soapbox again. I just really want to stress like there I couldn't name every single person that helps out, but it's it's important that we acknowledge that this is really a community thing. I imagine you are also hearing the sounds of Brooklyn. I'm doing my best here. As always, let's chat more on Instagram at Buxy, B-U-X-X-Y. So thanks again for listening to This Week in Carnival and never miss an episode by subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, ciao, beijos, mwah.